Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Bad on Paper Podcast. I am newly published author Becca Freeman. <laughs> and I'm Olivia Mentor. We are recording this on the actual publication day of my book on September 26th. So the reactions are fresh. It's a big day, a real full circle moment. Real full circle. And you get to live it with us. Yes. I'm so glad that everyone is here with us enjoying this. <laughs> a little bit on a delayed, a delayed schedule, but happy okay. to be here. Olivia, what's your high? <laughs> I was going to ask you what's your high. I feel like you have to start because, I mean, this is a big day in your life, an unforgettable day. Okay. I will accept that. Um, <laughs> my high is that my book is out. It feels like a long time in the making. So I'm yeah thrilled. I just feel so excited and loved and supported. If like the bookish internet had a prom queen, I am it today. <laughs> yeah, I, it's so cool to watch how supportive everyone is. It's really, really special. Oh my gosh, I wish that I could regram everyone's stories. I feel like everyone would unfollow me, but just... I can't even keep up with how many there are. People are being so wonderful and sharing such lovely stories and comments and tagging me in their posts. And I am just so overwhelmed in the best possible way. So that is part of my high. And then the other part of my high is I'm getting ready to go do my book events. And I have eight friends from out of town who are coming to the New York event who are like flying in come see me. And I just feel, I feel like the heart eyes emoji. It's so cool. It's going to be so awesome. Oh, I'm so happy. And for our listeners, if you were not able to get tickets to an IRL event, we do have one virtual event with my co-host being one Miss Olivia Mentor. <laughs> yeah, that'll be me. <laughs> and so it's tomorrow when the podcast comes out, Thursday, October 5th. And so we'll share on Instagram how you can sign up for that. It's free. So you can join us for that. I want it to be weird. Yes, please join us. It'll probably be exactly like these episodes, except like less filtered somehow. And you can see our faces. And maybe we'll be drinking yes. wine and wearing something weird. I think so. I think that's that's called for. I can't wait. What's your high? My high is that I am just like on a reading hot streak still here in the Outer Banks. I think I've, I'm averaging like more than a book a day and it's just a really lovely thing. And all of the books are great. I don't know if it's just like I'm in a good reading mood or I'm picking good books. I don't know, but it's just been like so nice. And it's not that I was in a reading slump before, but I just haven't had like a lot of uninterrupted reading time, I guess. So it's been... It's been great. I got to tell you, between this open weave white sweater that you're wearing, plus <laughs> all of the reading outside on a patio with a glass of wine, you're very channeling Nancy Meyers movie protagonist. I mean, you couldn't compliment me in a better way. So thank you. <laughs> that means the world to me. Uh, what about on the low side? Okay, so the low is I actually a first in my 30 years happened this week, which is that I was stung by a bee. Oh, no. I've never been stung by a bee. And it was a yellow jacket. And it was my back, which is annoying because like... Set the I scene. What I were you doing? I didn't even see it was there. I was, I was in the pool on a float reading. And I had literally just said out loud to my aunt, I was like, this is the most relaxed I've been in a year, I think. 
And all of a sudden I felt this like pinch on my back and I thought it was my skin like pinching against the plastic of the pool float. But then I looked back and I saw it, the creature there. And it just like, it had a nasty little, it was horrible. I didn't know how painful it was. You flew too close to the sun. I did. But you know what? I bounced back very quickly. It was super painful. But then I was just like, I'm going to take a Benadryl and have a drink. (laughs) And I moved on. So that was great. What's your low? I don't really have a low. My low might be the weather on my publication day. It is, as I told you before we started recording, it is pissing rain. Like it is London weather. So that's kind of impeding me being able to like gallivant and go to different Mm. bookstores. And I don't know. I was like, maybe I'll go take myself out to lunch. But it's the weather's really gross right now. It's really windy, rainy and humid. So I'm hoping by the time we're done recording, it's better. Yeah, I hope so. But other than that, no real low. I feel like today is great because there's no like nobody's expecting me to do anything. So I just get to sit around and like watch everyone be excited. I'm not expecting any updates, so I can't be disappointed in any way. Nobody's really read the book yet because people are working. So it's just kind of just like all happy. Would you say this is like the high point of the experience for you? Like, does this eclipse like the the deal day or? I think they're even. Okay, that's good because that's just nice that you can have two such incredible moments that are just like equally wonderful in one experience. This one is really special because everyone is involved. Like my whole community is involved versus the day that it was selling was very private where Mm -hmm. you're not allowed to talk about it. So a few friends knew that it was happening, but you know, the broader internet did not know. So it was like privately exciting versus this is publicly Mm -hmm. exciting. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you deserve to be celebrated. Oh, thank you. I forgot to tell you at the top of this episode that this is a three things episode. And so maybe we give a preview of our things before we take an ad break and get into this episode. Okay. Okay. (laughs) I'll go first. Okay. So my first thing, because it's all I can think about is Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. Okay. (laughs) Need to know your thoughts. My second thing is another thing I can't stop thinking about. It's this New York Times interview with Lauren Groff, the writer. I've read it. I'm, I'm ready to talk her process and so many things I didn't know about her and connections I have to her life and stuff. And then my third thing is actually another New York Times article about being 13 in the world right now and how social media is like playing into 13-year-olds' lives. And I wanted to get your opinion on what 13-year-old Becca would have been like with social media and and just your thoughts on social media and adolescence in general, because I think it's an interesting topic. Oh, interesting. Okay. Okay. So on my side, I brought, I'd like to talk about if there are certain Instagram ads that haunt you, that you just keep (laughs) seeing over and over and you're not purchasing Mm. from them, but you're thinking about it. Okay. Then I would like to talk about the new Olivia Rodrigo album and more broadly, Mm. the grown up teen girl phenomenon. Okay. And then the third thing I'd like to talk about is retellings in fiction. Hmm. All right. So that's what I brought. I like this balance we have. Let's take an ad break and then let's get into it. This episode is sponsored by Cozy Earth, aka the brand that convinced me that high quality socks are indeed life changing. As we head into fall and cooler weather, I can't tell you how much I am looking forward to changing into my Cozy Earth loungewear and socks. Seriously, just believe me, their socks are amazing. 
at the end of a long work day. If you're not familiar with the brand already, Cozy Earth crafts luxury goods that transform your lifestyle. And all their products come with a 10-year warranty, which is kind of amazing. So I recently tried a new Cozy Earth product, and unsurprisingly, because everything I've tried, I loved, I tried their pajamas. And I got a short set pajamas with like the button up top. And these pajamas are so great because they hit the trifecta of cute, comfortable, and covered up. And let me tell you what that means. So first of all, obviously cute is self-explanatory. I got their navy blue. They have little polka dots on them. Very, very cute. They're so comfortable. The fabric is great, just like all of Cozy Earth's products. I love that it's a button-up shirt, but like the buttons don't itch. Like the placket is double-lined. They're not too tight. They're a little bit oversized. Great. But the great thing about them is that they're also covered up because I feel like some of my pajamas, like I'll buy short sets that are a little bit booty shorty or, you know, like a tank top that's a little too low. Like this is the perfect pajama that you're going somewhere where you're going to be seen by people you don't know very well, but you still want to be in your pajamas over breakfast. Like I'm picturing this as the like visiting your in-laws pajamas. I'm picturing Mm. this as the like group trip with like a bunch of couples pajamas where you're like, you're still cute, but you're not like, oh, my butt's hanging out. So I am very into these pajamas. I have not stopped wearing them. And like all of Cozy Earth's products, they're made from responsibly sourced viscose from bamboo. Cozy Earth also has bedding, loungewear, pajamas, and of course the socks that Olivia mentioned. And my favorite part of Cozy Earth apparel is that each piece offers optimal comfort while maintaining a flattering, elegant fit. Yeah, it's totally true. And I am looking forward to trying out the pajamas very soon myself. But I feel like the thing about Cozy Earth loungewear and the pajamas and just every piece I've seen from them is that like, you know, in movies when the main character is like showing up, answering the front door in the middle of the night or like pouring themselves a mug of hot cocoa or something. And they're they're wearing pajamas or they're wearing loungewear, but it just always looks like more put together than whatever you're wearing during those same scenarios. That's this. Yes, that's exactly what Cozy Earth is in my mind. So if you want to try Cozy Earth's bedding, loungewear, pajamas, socks, any of it, we have great news. Cozy Earth provided an exclusive offer for our listeners. You can take 35% off site-wide at CozyEarth.com when you use code BOP. Again, that's CozyEarth.com with code BOP for 35% off. Let's get into some things. Yes. So let's start by talking about the thing that everyone on earth is talking about right now, which is Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. Now, I need to know, are you into it? Do you think it's a real thing or do you think it's a PR stunt? Does it matter? Are you invested? Tell us. I am aware of it. I am less into it than other things that Taylor Swift has done this year. I feel like I was more into the Maddie Healy of it all. I think it's probably because I don't care one lick about football. So I know who (laughs) Travis Kelsey is, but I don't have any real opinions on him or care if Taylor Swift dates him. My personal opinion would probably be that it is fake. We are right in the lead up to 1989. She hasn't even said she's actually dating him. I think she's just using it to stir things up because it is working. I saw that jersey sales for Travis Kelsey have gone up 400% since Sunday. It's Tuesday now. He's gained 300,000 Instagram followers, one of whom is me. 
Uh, so it's it's working for him, I guess. So, yeah, I don't think they're dating. I think that they're just engaging in mutually beneficial press shenanigans and good for them. I don't really care. Like, I think good for both of them. Get your Instagram yeah. followers, like increase your <laughs> your yeah. public persona, Travis Kelsey, like good for you. But I would be shocked if it came out that they were actually dating. Not because he seems like a bad guy in any way or that mm-hmm. I don't want her to date him. I just think that, you know, he he made that comment when he wanted to give Taylor Swift a friendship bracelet at her concert. Like he's made public remarks about her that I think she was just like, oh, yeah, this is an opportunity. I'm not touring right now. I can get into this. What are your thoughts? Okay. it's. I feel like based on your facial reactions, you have different thoughts. No, see, my head says that it's PR. I mean, the 1989 denim like suit he wore to go into the stadium. I don't know if you saw that. So he wore, I did see that, yeah. but it was apparently the retailer changed the name of it afterwards. Oh, okay. So like, okay. So the retailer now, was just capitalizing on the press. Okay. Well, that's smart. So he but, just wore I mean, an outfit that... Then got renamed the 1989 whatever. I mean, genius. Anyway, my head says that like it's probably PR. At the same time, does the woman need maybe more PR? (laughs) I don't know. It seems like a lot for something that she doesn't really need at the moment with like a major film coming out of her like economy changing tour. I don't know. Yes, but I feel like it's very wholesome PR and it actually Mm. is really good PR to people who aren't Taylor Swift fans because I feel like Maddie Healy was, her fandom was really upset about that. So I feel like in this way, Travis Kelsey is like really pure. People like him. So reputation wise, good. And then also my friend Allie, who is a big football fan, but could care less about Taylor Swift said on Sunday, she was like, this is the most I've ever cared about Taylor Swift. So I do feel like it's getting her in front of an audience that might not be predisposed to like her. That's, I guess. I mean, like, it's not to say that there's there no Venn diagram. That aren't interested. <laughs> yeah, not to say yeah, there's right. no Venn diagram of football fans and Taylor Swift fans, but like, I think it is pulling from like that other quadrant of the Venn diagram that's not in the overlap. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I do like it for her, though. Like, it, let's just entertain for a moment that it's real. Like, I I feel like it's unexpected, but I like it. Because I feel like in the past, she's been with people who are like Maddie Healy, who's like, you know, garbage for a variety of reasons, but like, who are just too cool for everything. And like, I just think Travis Kelsey is kind of a dork. I mean, he's very attractive, but like an attractive dork. So I could see it working. I don't know. I think it's probably PR, though, but I hope it's not schedule wise nightmare I just I don't see oh how God. it could be I know like when would they have hung out like I'm sure it's like question. there's like one date that they could like she had off and he had off but like I just feel like they're both too busy okay did you see the convertible photo how they like yes. literally drove away someone on TikTok I saw said that she like drives around in armored vehicles. Like she had to feel so comfortable and safe with this person to do that. And I'm like, and no, she this didn't. person's theory was that they've been talking for much longer. No. I want to believe it. No, I want to believe that that was fully set up. And like, there was a ton of security there and that he like drove around the stadium and then somebody escorted her out of that car or whatever. Like, I just think that it was a very contrived thing. I want them to get married though. <laughs> 
I don't dislike them as a couple, but I just, I don't see, I don't see it being real. I do enjoy thinking about how much Joe is just like, this guy really, I should do the British accent. Do it. Anyway. (laughs) He's not even an artist, Taylor. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. (laughs) He doesn't even play the guitar. Okay. Anyway, moving on. Let's move on to your thing. (laughs) Oh yeah. So my first thing is Instagram ads that haunt you. And I have two specifically. There are things I am never going to buy, but every Mm. time I get them, I'm like, should I get this? What is it? Tell me. So I'll tell you. So the first one is, have you ever gotten the ad for the corn scraper? I don't know if you mean corn as in foot things or corn as in vegetable, which I don't like. Corn as in vegetable. (laughs) Okay. It is basically, it kind of looks like a tongue scraper. Like it's a device for taking the kernels off of the corn. Like it's basically like a corn shaver. And I think Mm. it's just that the video looks so satisfying. What are you searching that it's targeting you? Nothing. I get it all the time and I'm like, oh, wow, that just looks like it does a good job. I don't need a corn scraper. Mm. But it, it looks like it really does what it says it does. That's good. It has one job. I'll forward you know. it to you next time I see it because I get it. And I'm going to get it I all get the it time. <laughs> the other one, which I have actually clicked through, so now I will never stop getting it. And I've thought about buying it, is these pens. So in the middle, it's like these silver paint pens, but on the outside, there's like an outline of different colors. And so it's a set of pens. And so like the red one, it's like silver in the middle, but then the edges are red and it looks so cool. And the video is somebody doing basically like calligraphy with it. And I'm like, this looks awesome. And at one point I was like, maybe I'll buy them and this is what I'll sign my book with. But I think it's one of those pens that need to dry. Like, I don't think Mm -hmm. you could just sign something, close the page and it would be fine. So that's what deterred me. But oh my gosh, this video is so satisfying. Oh, I want to get this targeted ad because this sounds great. Also, Also, what are you signing your books with? Sharpies. I bought neon pink Sharpies. Oh, love that. Yeah. But... I am obsessed with these. It is $35 and shipping is not free. I got real close to buying these. That's that's a lot. Well, it's $35 for, for like a one? Pa- no, 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 for like a package, like maybe like oh, eight. Okay. All right. But they're doing some great targeting with that ad because I am the target. I want that ad. I don't even know what ads I get. I'm looking through my phone now. Hmm. I feel like I get ads for a lot of hotels. Oh, interesting. I don't like resorts and stuff because I follow a lot on Instagram because otherwise I forget about them. I definitely get a lot of clothing ads. And so I'm like, yes, I understand why I'm getting this. But it's like the random ones, like the corn scraper that I'm like, huh. <laughs> I I have questions about the corn scraper. And if I had something I'm interesting actually, like that that was haunting me. I'm actually shocked that I'm getting the corn scraper ads and not you because you loved the corn song. I did love the corn song. It was a very intense love I had for that song. No, I haven't gotten that. But you know what I do get a lot of ads for now that I'm thinking about it? Tell me. Is Calpac, which oh, I'm like, we're good. You already guys. got me. You, <laughs> you've got me. <laughs> you've got me. I know. I mean, put your energies elsewhere, but uh, all the time, all the time. Wow. I will be curious to see what other people say about this in the Facebook group. Yes, me too. Also, I want to know if like, there's one that someone has like given into and it's been worth it. Oh, yeah. Always curious. Let us know. Bring us into the next thing. I'm very excited to talk about this one. 
Okay. Yeah. So the next thing is this article that has been going around, if you follow a lot of authors or writers on Instagram or wherever about Lauren Groff, the author, she's written, I think like four books. She just had one come out called The Vaster Wilds, which I have on my bedside table right now. And I need to read. She also had a short story collection called Florida, I think. Matrix, right? And Fates and Furies. Yeah. No. Fates yes. and Furies, I think is her most like well-known best-selling book. All like critically acclaimed, you know, awards out the wazoo. I've actually never read anything by her, but this New York Times article is about her process, which is specific to say the least. <laughs> um, but Becca, first of all, have you ever read anything by Lauren Groff? I tried to read Fates and Furies the year that it came out and it was too slow for me. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I, I guess I could see that. It's, it seems very, um, well, not like plotty. It's very capital L literary fiction. Right, right. Okay, so her process, which is here, what I'm here to talk about, is that she writes the first draft of her books and then she, this is where it gets interesting, locks it away in a banker's box, which I'm like, what are, do we just get those at Target? I don't know. Is it Well, like she a also writes it longhand and then puts, <laughs> yes. so I'm like, how, how many bankers boxes are there and how large are they? Because writing a full book longhand is a lot of pages. I'm picturing the safe where like, you know, in old timey movies where they like rob a bank and like they have to like twist the giant yes. thing to open yes. it. <laughs> but also apparently she's burned first drafts before. Anyway, and then this is where it gets crazy. Her next draft, she writes it from memory. Yeah, she, she never looks at the one in the lockbox again. Yes. And then like whatever is good, like sticks around. And someone sent this to me because they were like, oh, this was what happened to your book. <laughs> Which is, I mean, when I lost my draft, I had to rewrite it from memory. So one of the many ways Lauren Groff and I are similar. No, <laughs> she's, she's clearly on another level. But uh, I just, Becca, what do you think about this process? Are you like inspired by it? Do you find it interesting? Do you think it's nuts? Oh, I think it's fascinating. I cannot imagine doing this, like never looking at the first draft again. Okay. So I do think that there's something to it. I think that what I have done with all of my second drafts and sometimes even later drafts is start a fresh document and keep the mm -hmm. old document like next to it or printed out and rekey everything because there is something to, instead of just editing, like you won't type a crappy sentence if it's crappy or like if there's a lot of fat that you're like unnecessary stuff, like you're not going to re-put it in. So I do think there's something to the theory of that it leads to a better draft. Not looking at it and doing it purely from memory seems Painful. kind of like a waste of time to me that you like, you either did such a bad job on the first draft that it was pointless to do it or had its brilliance and then you just forgetting about it. I don't know. Maybe she has like a photographic memory or maybe there was something that wasn't included in the New York Times article that makes it make sense. But I'm like, what? The other That's thing crazy. that I found really interesting about the article was that she said it takes her about five years to write a book. And so she's mm -hmm. working on like four or five different things at once. So then that, how do you remember yes. what's that in the draft to, a different place. to yeah. like rewrite it if you're working on so many things at once? I truly have no idea. I truly have no idea. I truly do believe that everyone's process is different and there's not like one right process. However, I just cannot imagine this one. Tell me your thoughts. 
I think it's very interesting because I like love hearing about processes. And I do think there is something to be said. If you're like in her position, which is like she has basically she can do whatever she wants, honestly, like literally anything she wants. And I think there's something to be said for like it forces you to leave behind the stuff that you like may have just put in otherwise just because out of default. And like it forces you to really focus on theme instead of like, you know, little sentences that you like find yourself emotionally attached to. I think most normal human beings couldn't do it. But there were other things in the article that I found very fascinating. First of all, she lives in Gainesville, Florida, which is really interesting to me as someone who went to college there. And I thought that was interesting there. But there's nothing in Gainesville except for the University of Florida, which is a great school and and everything. But um, her husband, I believe, like owns off-campus housing that he runs or whatever. But anyway, when they moved there, they like signed a contract that they would reassess living there every few years and she could do whatever trips she wanted to do, whatever like speaking engagements she wanted to do, whatever traveling she wanted to do. And like they have this contract and they signed it. <laughs> Which I think that's a really cool idea. If you're like, you have a partner and they want to do something and you're like, okay, well, we're going to set some ground rules and put it into writing. I thought that was very interesting. Yeah. I don't know. It surprised me. I was like, Gainesville? I had to read it like four times. She's a fascinating person. I'm excited to read her book. Kudos to her. It clearly works, but I cannot imagine. (laughs) I feel like if that process gets you a letter from Barack Obama... (laughs) That you hang in your office saying how much he liked your book, which is something they talk about in the article. I mean, I would do the process again as well. I would be locking my first drafts away every time. Well, that's another thing. Like, I feel like maybe it becomes superstitious because it worked for you on one book. So then you like have to keep the same process. So like, I wonder if it actually works versus it's somewhat superstitious. I don't know. I'll report back when I read The Vaster Wilds. Okay. How about we take another ad break before getting to some more things? If you have been here any length of time, you know how obsessed I am with my pros custom shampoo and conditioner routine. Since I started using it like three and a half years ago, my hair is overall healthier, it's shinier, and I can go longer between washes without getting greasy. It has been a full hair transformation. And yes, I know this is an ad, and we're talking about them in an ad, but I swear to you, if these ads went away tomorrow, I would keep raving about pros and I would keep stocking it in my shower. Here's how it works. You take their in-depth hair quiz, which asks you about everything from your hair goals and styling routine to your exercise routine and zip code so they can take into account environmental factors too. They analyze over 85 factors to come up with a completely custom formula to address your needs. So what I get and what Becca gets and what you get will all be completely different and customized to our unique hair types and goals. And one of my favorite things about Pros is that it gets better over time with their review and refine feature. When you reorder, they ask how they did and you can tweak the formula. And I also think this is why my hair has never gotten used to the product after three plus years of using it. Where with other brands, I'll use something for six months and it works great. And then it kind of just stops working as well after that. And you don't have to take our word for it. Trying pros is completely risk-free. If you're not positive pros is the best hair care you've had, they'll take the products back, no questions asked. Custom made-to-order hair care from pros has your name all over it. Take your free in-depth hair consultation and get 15% off your first order today. Go to pros.com slash BOP. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash BOP for your free in-depth hair consultation and 15% off. 
So what's the second thing you've brought us? So my second thing is the new Olivia Rodrigo album generally, and more specifically, if you've seen the grown-up teen girl syndrome being talked about online. Okay, so I am familiar with the album. Do you have thoughts? I am not familiar about the teenage girl syndrome thing, so please, please explain. But I I do love the album. Well, I've talked about it on here before, but anyway, go ahead, explain. So it's going around on like, Twitter and TikTok, where it's basically like women who are much older than Olivia Rodrigo, like me, for instance, who are enjoying the album and living vicariously and like singing these lyrics about how hard it is to be like kind of in your late teens, early 20s and kind of just like living vicariously through this where you're like an adult teen girl. Like you still have all of that like angsty rage, but you're an adult. Oh, yeah. I feel like I'm pretty much perpetually a teen girl. (laughs) Yeah, but it's I different. Hope I, am. I feel like the Olivia Rodrigo teen girl is very different than the Taylor Swift teen girl. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, yeah, I feel like this album is like a little bit angrier, ragier, messier, where it's like a different yeah. type of teen girl. I get that. Yeah. I haven't listened to the entire album, but I have listened to All American Bitch probably 75 times. Uh, half of those were just repeats. Just, just on a loop on a in loop. my car. Yep. Just on a loop in my car because I think it's so genius. I mean, I like it. I like this trend. I mostly relate to the meme where it's Jamie Lee Curtis and Freaky Friday in the end when she's like in her rock outfit. And it's like, this is what it feels like to be 30 years old and listening to Olivia Rodrigo. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it literally does feel like this. But also at the same time, I'm like, I think what she's singing about speaks more to being a woman than it does specifically to being a teen. I think you feel it all very cutely when you're 18 or 16 or whatever. But I think that it doesn't really go away when you're 30 or you're 35 or 40 or whatever. It depends on the song. I mean, I think there's definitely some things about how much it sucks to be a woman and about like being in fights with people. But you it, What's the song where she's like, every guy like is gay, where it's like there's and like (laughs) some things about going out late and like throwing up like it just some of it is like messy teen stuff. Okay, maybe I need to do a more thorough listen. I did not actually think that I liked the album that much on first listen. I listened to the whole thing. I really liked Vampire. I really liked the lead single off of it. When I listened to the album, I was like, "Eh, I don't really know if I like care about a lot of this. But since then, I feel like it is growing on me. It gives me big Avril Lavigne vibes. Yes. Which I loved. I really like Get Him Back, which contrary to what the title sounds like is not about getting a guy back. It's about taking revenge on him. (laughs) Clever. I also am very curious about The Grudge. I do like the song The Grudge, but then also there's rumors that The Grudge is about Taylor Swift and Olivia Rodrigo's feud. Although the same rumor existed for Vampire. But I do like that song a lot. I feel like we've talked about the feud on here before and in person. I wasn't a non-believer, but I kind of do think it's a thing now. Also in some press, somebody asked her if she's seen the Eras tour yet. And she was like, no, maybe I'll catch it in Europe. Like it's like, it feels like if she had wanted to see it, she had every opportunity. Also, if they wanted to dispel that this was a thing they could have in a variety of ways. Right. And also I randomly watched part of the VMAs, which... Oh. I'm not really sure why that happened because it was about 145 minutes of commercials and then just one performance like sprinkled in there. And then in sync. Um, <laughs> and then in sync, which I did enjoy. But 
I got a strange vibe. Like that clip of Selena Gomez watching Olivia Rodrigo perform was weird. I don't know. She just looked very unhappy and, you know, Selena and Taylor. But I could be just reading too much into this. I would be curious if you listen to the whole album, what your take is. Okay, I'll have to do that. I'll have to move on from the one song that I've played 9,000 times. Well, I mean, you can keep listening to it. Just, you know, <laughs> yeah. listen to it and then, you know, Switch take a little break and listen yeah. to some other tracks. I'll, I'll try. I'll try to pull myself away momentarily. Okay. I appreciate that. Well, that dovetails maybe into your next one, which is also about being a teen girl. Yeah. Yeah. So there's this very interesting New York Times article where the writer profiled three 13-year-old girls for a year. And like, I think they said that they sent them voice notes every day, unless they were grounded about their day, about social media, about how they use social media, what they were grounded for. And so I was reading through it and it was just really fascinating to see like just how much TikTok and Snapchat like dominated what was happening (laughs) just across the board, which is not something that was the case for me when I was 13. And I honestly feel like I don't think I would have survived adolescence had I had access to like TikTok and Snapchat and Instagram. I mean, I don't mean that literally. I mean, like, I think it would have destroyed me. Mm. I, I just, I don't know. But then sometimes like in some of these controversial, are like, oh, I oh. think I would have thrived. <laughs> Which would you would have like, you would have found a whole network or something or just found your people. I don't know. I might have been the bully. I might have been a, the mean girl. <laughs> yeah, people are mean based on this article. Oh my gosh, people are mean. Like I saw something about how like someone pretended to be someone's crush and then texted them as that person or oh, whatever, God. which I guess could have happened when I was 13. But um, I don't know, or like meeting people on TikTok. Like I think when I was a teen, I was just so desperate to like meet other people because I went to such a small school that like there's God only knows what corners of TikTok I would have ended up on. Mm. I don't know. What's your take on social media with teens? Do you think it's like, it just is what it is? Do you think that like, it's slowly rotting all of our brains? Because another thing the article says is that there's no like definitive evidence that social media is like negatively impacting teens long-term. Interesting. Which I was fascinating. That is fascinating. I mean, I don't think there's any putting the genie back in the bottle. So I think it's kind of a moot point to speculate if if teens should have social media. I mean, like, Mm -hmm. I guess you can ban it, but like, it's, I don't think it's going away and adults aren't getting off of it. So teens will find a way to use it is kind of my point of view, whether they're allowed to or not. So I don't know, like I had a live journal when I was a teenager. Did you? I had a Tumblr, which is basically, I think the same thing. I had a live journal. It's deleted. I tried to get it back to like be able to see it, but I guess it's like, permanently deleted. It's not on the way back machine. Like it's gone. Uh I would like love to see it. But I remember having both friends and classmates on that, but then also strangers. And I feel like you took a lot of like quizzes on it or not quizzes, but like questionnaires that you would post. Yes. Yes. Like, yeah, there were similar things on Tumblr, like 20 questions. Yeah, 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 exactly. Right. And so I feel like it was almost like the prototype version of some of the social media. So I feel like Social media existed in a much smaller way back then. And I mean, I also had AIM and like we would, you know, we would make fake screen names to like talk to boys in our class and then like try to find out if they had a crush or something, you know, like we were doing this shit too. We were just doing it in different ways. 
What was your screen name? Um, so my first screen name was Angel Eight One GRL. I feel like it's classic. It's classic. And then I had another one that was maybe like Tiger Lily in some numbers. I'm not sure why or where that came from. And then my one that I had in high school was like Becca Bell, and then numbers. Oh, so there's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I just had one, one consistently. What was it? It was. <laughs> it was Elefante seventy nine. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't. Interesting. I have no idea why. I couldn't tell you. But, Interesting. Um, there's a lot of like John Mayer lyrics and Gavin DeGraw lyrics is my way message. Interesting. Um, yeah, with the the lime green background with the orange text. Anyway, that's a whole other. <laughs> whole other thing. I mean, I don't know. Like, look, I don't have any teens in my life that I'm close enough to to have like a firsthand perspective on this about like what it is like current day versus what it is like when I was a teenager. But I think a lot of it is just like the same shit, different technology. So but it's more accessible, I guess, because it's like I had to go into like my computer room and use the family computer. Now it's just like people can just do it on their phones. I don't think I would sleep if I was a teen and I had yeah, a totally. cell phone, honestly, like a smartphone. Like totally. I would never sleep. I would be up all hours. Totally. I don't know. I, I don't feel like I am equipped to have an informed opinion on it, but it's interesting what you said about it not having any proven long-term effects. I did see though, did you see that study out of the UK where it was like teen girls are at their like peak unhappiest? That sounds familiar. There was a study where it was like, I can't remember how they were measuring it, but it was like this year in 2023, like teen girls, and I think it was like specifically 13-year-old girls reported being like the lowest levels of happiness that like teen girls have ever reported. Huh. That wouldn't surprise me. (laughs) So yeah, I I feel like this study was specific to the UK. I'm not sure if the pattern is mirrored in the US or if there are studies about it, but I did think that was really interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think it's hard. It's I hard think to be a 13 year old girl. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, like, I think it's just like a different way of being toxic because it's, you know, like when we were teens or when I was a teen, we were looking at girls in magazines who were heavily airbrushed and, mm-hmm. you know, skinny was the new everything mm-hmm. or like nothing tastes as good as skinny feels. So, you know, there were like all of these right. unrealistic beauty standards coming through magazines versus now I feel like it's coming through like, I don't know if it's peers or if it's influencers that you're following on the internet. So I feel like it's just all somewhat the same ideas repackaged and like maybe because there's more of it. But like, I don't know that our teen girldom was less toxic. Yeah, I don't know either. But I think about a lot. I'm like, if I had a kid, what would I I don't even know because it's like I can barely manage it for myself. So I I don't know. Well, I mean, I I don't envy parents. I think the other challenge is that I remember when I was in high school, I would get grounded or I would get my phone taken away, but then I would get it back because like my aunt wanted to like know where I was, you know? So it's like the phone has both like a functional purpose and then also like the social media and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, what's your third thing? Oh, so my third thing is retellings in fiction. And I wanted to talk about First of all, if seeing that something is a retelling is a plus or a minus for you, and if there are any retellings of X that you're like, that's an auto buy for me. And I started thinking about this because I feel like 
retellings have been all the rage for the past maybe like three or four years in fiction. There's been a ton of them. But I just recently really enjoyed two books that are retellings. And I think maybe previously I was a little bit judgmental of them where I felt like it was like unoriginal or uncreative. But maybe I'm having a change of heart. So I just read You Again, which is a gender-swapped retelling of When Harry Met Sally or like inspired by When Harry Met Sally. And then I'll tell you in the end matter, I just read Meet the Benedettos, which comes out in December and is a retelling of Pride and Prejudice. And so it's just kind of like been on my brain, like, what are the things that are a retelling of that you're like, oh yeah, I'll always get that. Like, I think When Harry Met Sally might be one of them for me. Mm Mm-hmm. On the flip side, any retelling of You Got Mail is creepy and like I do not want to partake in. (laughs) That's true. I don't have any strong preferences on like Pride and Prejudice or like any kind of Shakespeare retellings, even though I know there's a lot. Like I know for Mm -hmm. Grace, like Anne of Green Gables is a Mm. like any retelling. She'll give that a try. Yeah. Do you have anything? I, I, I feel like I'm kind of neutral. Like, it doesn't make me shy away from it, but it also doesn't, like, make me super excited either. I would read, for sure, a retelling of Tuck Everlasting in some sort of... I don't know if I've seen any of those. Oh, I don't know if they exist. I'm just throwing it out there. (laughs) But, I mean, I think... I'm not, like, a Jane Austen, like, super fan or anything. But, like, I mean, I think it would... If I was reading something and I was like, oh, this is a retelling of whatever, I would be like, oh. But I don't think it'd be like, wow, this completely changes the experience for me either. I don't think I would be enough of a fan to even know unless it was on the cover copy. Yeah, yes. Like, I'm sure I have read retellings and I just like wasn't aware. But yeah, are there any coming out soon that like are being talked about a lot other than, I guess, the two you mentioned, so. Well, I mean... I feel like there's always some. And then I feel like there's also another conversation going on. There was a Vulture article last month about the rise of fan fiction authors crossing into Mm. traditionally big five published fiction. And again, You Again by Kate Goldbeck is another example there. I think it originally, she was originally writing Raylo, like Star Wars fan fiction. And I think there might have been a previous version of what became You Again, which was a Raylo fic. And then, Hmm. oh, I have heard rumors of this. I cannot confirm this or deny this. I can say that it exists on the internet, but I do not know if it's true. Apparently, Red, White, and Royal Blue started as the social network fan fiction. Oh. Right? I haven't read it, but I'm trying to put the pieces together in my mind and very confused, but okay. And then also, like, Allie Hazelwood came out of the fan fiction community. I don't know if any of her published works are kind of fan fictions with, I guess they call it scraping off the serials. Maybe that's not right. I feel like I'm just like sounding like that old dude who like, does, like, hello, It sounded kids. right to me. I just um, never heard that Filing off the serials, filing off the serials where it's like, there is something that's already written that's popular in the fan fiction community. And they kind of like edit it to remove the identifying factors of like what it is a fanfic of to like make them into their own characters and then publish it. I don't have a problem with it either way. I mean, I think it's like the fan fiction community is massively talented and creative. So I feel like there's so many previous examples. Like, wasn't Fifty Shades of Grey Twilight fan fiction? Yeah. Like, it's not a new Mm -hmm. phenomenon where it's like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Everything's going to hell in a handbasket. So like, I don't know. I still think it's like incredibly, even if you're using characters as prototypes, 
I still think it's incredibly hard to write a full book and to write a good book. So like, yeah. I don't care one way or the other. Well, I mean, everything is derivative in one way or another yeah, in, exactly. in literature. Like it just is and music and everything. Yeah. But I know that's a conversation that's coming up a lot more, but I don't know. I just wanted to know if there are retellings that you liked. I'll be curious if our Facebook group has retellings that they're like, oh yeah, I always will read a You know, XYZ. I don't know if it was a retelling, but it might've been, I don't know. See, this is part of the thing. Like I can't remember plot points well enough, but Hello Beautiful has a lot of uh, little women illusions. Oh. And also just like direct references. I don't know if other than it being four sisters, it is a retelling. I'd have to like look at the plot mm-hmm. side by side. But I was like, oh, that's interesting. I wasn't like, this makes it worse or, <laughs> or yeah. anything. I, I loved that book so much. But yeah. We'll take this one online. Yes. Well, why don't we take one last ad break and then get into some end matter? This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you know me, you know that one of my most important mental health care habits is to avoid using my phone in bed every night. I used to reach for my phone every single time I started to have an anxious thought at night. My mind would race and I'd scroll so I didn't have to address or get to the root of my anxiety or my restlessness. This, as you can imagine, was not such a great pattern. Therapy was one of the things that helped me realize how much I was using my phone as a crutch. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Being able to talk to a therapist every week about how my everyday habits impacted by mental health is probably the only reason that I've been able to set and reset when necessary boundaries with myself when it comes to things like using my phone in bed. I don't know if I would have held myself accountable to take care of myself and my mental health had I not talked about all of it with my therapist at some point. Get a break from your thoughts with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash bad on paper today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash bad on paper. Let's get into some end matter. Yeah, what are you obsessed with? What are you obsessed with? What are you obsessed well, with? I'll tell you. <laughs> okay, I am obsessed with the sweater I'm wearing, which is this crew neck knit sweater from this brand called Shit That I Knit. It's a small business. I partnered with them to advertise this sweater on stories like years ago. But like this sweater, I am obsessed with it. It is like a blanket for my body. It feels cozy. It feels comfortable. It has held up so well in the washer and dryer. The sleeves are super long, so I can kind of use them like gloves, <laughs> which is just my ideal way of existing. And the quality is just so incredible. So I really recommend it. Um, It's just held up well for so many years now. And it feels really like luxurious. I don't know why I said that so strangely. So is it Um, still available? You said that it's held up for years. Yes. I think that they still have this one in a stripe, which I kind of want actually. And I have the white, but it's like just the perfect end of summer, early fall sweater. Okay. Can you stand up? (laughs) I can't. I'm like crouched on the bed. It's just a sweater. No, I just wanted to see what what it looked like. I could only see her from like the boobs up. Thank you for modeling that. <laughs> Anytime. What's your obsession? Okay, my obsession is 
the Netflix movie Love at First Sight, which is based on the book called The Statistical Probability of Love at First Sight by Jennifer E. Smith, who is also the author of The Unsinkable Greta James. And so um, The Unsinkable Greta James is actually Jennifer E. Smith's first adult book. And before that, she wrote YA. And so this is based off of one of her YA books. And the characters are actually in the movie at least like 19 and 22. So they're like college age. I'm not sure how old they are in the book, but the movie is so cute. It's about these two people who meet on a plane when the girl misses her flight by four minutes. And so it's basically like if she hadn't missed her flight, these two people never would have met. Hmm. I've heard nothing but amazing things about this. Like everyone seems to love it. It's very cute. It's like kind of a rom-com, but it is a tearjerker as well. So I laughed, but I also sobbed my face off. Very cute. Like a perfect way to spend a weeknight, a night in. Am I going to rewatch it a million times? No, but I like I enjoyed every second of it. Oh, good. I'm going to watch this one for sure. I started like Happiness for Beginners, that other rom-com on Netflix. Couldn't get into it. You know, so that's based on a Catherine Center book. And as you know, big centerhead. Yes. Centerpiece, whatever I'm calling us these days. <laughs> so that movie, I feel like they left out a lot of really crucial material. So like mm. if you read the book, you understood what was happening. But I feel like if you didn't read the book, they left out all of this scene setting where the two main characters in the book take this road trip to get to the hike. And they like spend a night in a hotel room, oh. not in a sexy way, but like They like have so much more history that you see on the page before they get to the hike versus in the movie, they just show up there and. Yeah, that's different. Yeah, it's different. Hmm. Well, what have you been reading? So Sunday, I've had no attention span for reading, but I picked this book out of my pile. It was the shortest book in my pile, which is how I picked. And it's something I was looking forward to. It's called Meet the Benedettos by Katie Katungo, and it is out December 5th. And she wrote another book a couple of years ago called Birds of California, which I think some people really loved. I have not read that one. So this one I was attracted to because on the cover copy, it says keeping up with the Kardashians meets Pride and Prejudice. And I was like, say no more, friend. I am in. So the book is about a washed up reality TV show family with five (laughs) sisters. And their show is now off the air and this famous actor and his like Juilliard friend who are both more famous and kind of like snobby move into the crumbling Calabasas gated community where the Benedettos live. It was so good. The writing was laugh out loud hilarious. Like it was so funny. This premise is already kind of funny. (laughs) So I was shipping the couple so hard. It's like a enemies to lovers type story. I was delighted by it. It's like 275 pages. I whipped through it in a day. I highly recommend this when it comes out and you should definitely consider placing a pre-order. Oh, good. What about you? You are on a (laughs) self-proclaimed reading bender. Yes, I have a lot. So we'll get through them. So I read Georgie All Along by Kate Claiborne, which I think you've read, Becca. Mm-hmm. Uh, this came out earlier this year. This is a romance about a sort of 
like going all the time Hollywood assistant whose really famous boss retires. And so she goes back to her Chesapeake Bay hometown and ends up crossing paths with the brother of her high school crush. I really liked this. I read it in a day. It was, I just thought it was the character development was good. And I just, I really enjoyed, I enjoyed the love story. I've also heard really good things about her previous book, which is called Love Lettering, which I keep meaning to go back to. Yeah, I would definitely read other things by this author. I'd never read anything, but I really enjoyed it. The next book I read was The Only One Left by Riley Sager. This is his newest thriller. I think it just came out maybe this month or last month. We had like a stormy day here. It was like (laughs) incredible winds, incredible rain. We were stuck inside all day. And so I read this. This one is about a home healthcare worker who was assigned to take care of this older woman in this small town in Maine who is very famously accused of killing her entire family, but it was never proven. So this is like a true twisty turny thriller. If you want like creepy town in Maine, but not too scary either thriller. I I really enjoyed this one and it got kind of wild at the end, but I enjoyed it. I was going to say, the only thing I know about this one, is this the one that has a bonkers twist? Yeah, it surprised me. I didn't see it coming for sure. Okay. It's a little out there. Yeah, it, okay. it took me a second. <laughs> but I think his previous book, like the twist is even wilder. So I don't oh, know. Maybe but I'm talking I really, about that I enjoyed one. It. <laughs> you might be. You might be. Because someone messaged me and was like, I really liked his previous book, but the the twist like just was was more wild than I was expecting or something. Okay. But anyway, it was like the perfect rainy day thriller. Okay. I finally read Yellow Face by R.F. Kuang. I... I'm obsessed. Like I loved this book, like from start to finish, could not put it down. Couldn't stop thinking about it. Like when I stopped reading it for a few hours, genius, genius. Obviously everyone talks about this, but it's about a woman who steals her dead friend's unpublished manuscript. But oh my God, just every second of it, I enjoyed so much. Definitely one of my favorites of the year. Finally, I read Bye Baby by Carola Lovering, which comes out in March 2024. This is a book where I started reading it and immediately I was hooked. Like the premise is so interesting. It's about two old friends. I don't think this is giving anything away because I think it's revealed in the first chapter. Anyway, it's about two lifelong friends um, who have kind of a complicated relationship for a lot of different reasons. And one of them ends up taking the baby of the other one. I will leave it at that. It's really interesting because like, it's not really a thriller, but it kind of reads that way. I'm excited about this one. You'll really like it, I think. And one of the friends is like a micro influencer, which I found really, really well done and very fascinating. It had a lot to say about like, like following your friends who have internet personalities and like how that is a very interesting experience. Anyway, it was just really well done. and. I really enjoyed it. And if none of that appeals to you, we also have our October book club pick, which is The Quiet Tenant. It's by, and I totally and completely got this wrong in the last episode, and I apologize to the author, but her name is Clemence Michelon. It's French, and I still probably got it wrong, but that was a better a better attempt than last time. And can you give us the two-sentence summary? Yes. I think actually last episode I said it's about a serial killer, but that's not really quite right. It is more about a woman who goes missing. That's all we get? That's all we get. That's all you get. Okay. (laughs) I do want to add, though, trigger warnings for sexual assault. So just 
read with caution. I bought it. I'm I'm ready to have my pants scared off. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I hope you like it. So that is what we have for you this week. If you would like more, please come talk to us in the Facebook. I feel like there are some very good discussion subjects that we're going to have going based on this episode. Also, I'm having so much fun in our Geneva group, which is a new app that we're trying out. It's kind of like a chat room. So if you haven't downloaded the Geneva app or there's also a desktop version, search that on paper and come join us there. You can find me on Instagram at Becca M. Freeman. And my book, The Christmas Orphans Club, is now available in the U.S. and the U.K., online wherever books are sold, and then in person, Barnes & Noble, Target, indie bookstores, maybe at the airport. Everywhere. Not everywhere, but a lot of places. Basically. (laughs) Where can they find you? So exciting. You can find me on Instagram, at Olivia Mentor. (laughs) And her amazing newsletter. Oh, thanks. Yeah. You can just Google Olivia Mentor Substack for that. And we will see you next week. Bye. Bye.